0: You are listening to the San Antonio Zen Center Dharma Talks. The San Antonio Zen Center is supported solely by donation, so that everyone can participate in our offerings and programs, regardless of income. If you are able, please consider making a donation to SAZC through the donation button on our site, sanantoniozen.org, or by visiting paypal.me slash Thank you for your practice, and enjoy the talk. Good morning, everyone. Heather Martin will share the Dharma with us this morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. um, I have this, uh, I have this pomegranate tree that I really love. I've always wanted one. Um, there are a bunch of them at Austin Zen Center, and, uh, they're so beautiful. And, um, I actually, I, I planted one last year in our yard and, um, when we had that big freeze in the winter i really thought it was going to die it had only been in the ground for 6 months and um i wrapped it up but i thought it would die and uh to my surprise in the spring it it leafed out and and it it turned green um but it looked great all summer we had so much rain and uh Then it got dry, you know, over the last month or so. And it started looking really sad, even with me watering it. And then we got that big rain. And the other morning I went by the window where I can see it. And I remembered, oh, it rained. Maybe the pomegranate tree looks better. And I looked out the window and just at the exact moment that my mind registered that it did look better, a single leaf fell off one of the branches and just floated to the ground uh, because it's fall. And I thought about that, uh, you know, in attachment, blossoms fall and aversions, we spread, we spread. So everything, everything in that is natural. The raining and the not raining, my attachment to the tree, fall coming and the leaves dropping. That's the flowering of the Dharma and it's there in every moment. And uh, that happening really struck me as relevant to the talk today. So I decided to uh, talk about difficulties with pain and how to practice with that, um, because like so many people in this year, I've been having a hard time. And you know uh, when they ask you to give a Dharma talk they Colin Colin's advice is is always uh, talk about something that's alive for you So I'm gonna try to uh, make it nuts and bolts as possible uh, because hard times are it's confusing and uh, we feel isolated even when everyone around us is having a hard time Um, so I think, I hope that a nuts and bolts approach will be helpful. Um, so my, my first advice I think is the kind of thing that, uh, I sort of resisted at first because I have a problem with authority. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's, it seemed, it sounded boring to me, I think at the beginning. Um, but because we're so, uh, Prone, prone to hurting ourselves and other people when we're in pain, um, my first suggestion is to uh, rely on the refuges and the precepts. And if, if that feels a little bit boring to you or uh, dusty, try taking a broad view of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Um, so. In hard times, talking to people and listening to people who are role models for you um, is helpful, and you know. So it's your big sangha, your your teacher, your fellow students, but also your friends and family in the big sangha. And at, at some point, uh, you might notice that your sangha has gotten really big, and you can even Feel some support from people that um, that aren't in your friends or family, even maybe that give you a hard time, or that you feel neutral about. Um, and it takes time, though, that last bit. Um, so be patient. Um, but you know, take uh, take refuge in the scriptures too, and again, taking a broad view you might read scriptures from any religion and find that that's helpful to you. Um, so it might be sutras or, or commentaries about sutras, but it, it might also be uh, poetry or, or music. And uh, so if, if it feels heavy to you, if that reliance on Buddha, Dharma and Sangha feels heavy or old or boring, um, broaden your view. And the, the precepts too, um, you know, I think it helps me early on to hear that they're not hard and fast rules, um, but that following them was advisable. You'll do less damage to yourself and other people if you try to follow them. Um, so I, I actually like to read through them sometimes and see if there's one that sort of catches my mind. And there are lots of translations of them. Uh, so, reading different translations of them helps too. But, you know, in general, they're not killing, not stealing. Um, not, the translation I like is not misusing intimacy or power, not lying, not using intoxicants, not criticizing, not praising yourself above others, not being stingy, not abiding in anger and not disparaging the three treasures, which are Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. Um, But I've actually been thinking for a while about how to kind of flip those to be more positive. And it was really interesting when we were listening to that talk by Greg Bain last week, um, where he mentioned people often feeling a little um, uh, hesitant about the negativity that they feel from the precepts. Um, So you you can actually flip them to positive. And I've I've been working on those for a while, how I want to word that. But again, there's a lot of translations and ways to think of it. Um, So one one way, uh, the way that I wrote down for myself is preserve life. Be satisfied with what you have. Cultivate respectful boundaries. Keep a clear heart-mind. Speak earnestly and with integrity. Accept what is offered. Set esteem where esteem is due. Be wholeheartedly generous with your true self. See through anger. And embrace and sustain Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. So when you feel pained, you might notice that one of those stands out as something that you feel like you can't do or feels very difficult to do. Uh, So doing a little reading on that, maybe commentaries of it um, could be helpful. And uh, relying on them when you don't know what to do is helpful. But it it can feel really overwhelming at times. And that's why the last thing to try to rely on is uh, zazen. It may be that, um, actually a way of putting it, it might be that the dose makes the poison. Um, and so in very difficult times, sitting Zazen for extended times might feel like too much. And like, I remember hearing Norman Fisher talk about Zazen being the acupuncture needle of Zen So it treats chronic pain, but it takes a while. And uh, if you're not in pain, uh, now is a great time to start practicing. But if you're in great pain, if you don't have time to develop your response because you're in pain right now, it can be pretty hard to understand what to do. So one way to think about this is uh, something that uh, Roshi Joan Halifax calls an edge state. And uh, edge states are where work gets done. So sometimes she talks about it like it's a cliff. And one side is ground, and the other side is a cliff. Or maybe both sides, maybe it feels like you're at a peak and there's a drop off on either side. And other times she talks about it like it's a shoreline that's just changing over time. Um, So with pain or, or with difficulty, I think maybe the edge is between rest and effort, for me at least. Is that time to rest or is it time to engage with what you're perceiving as pain? And if it feels like a cliff, um, maybe it's time to rest. If it feels like it's a shoreline that's changing, maybe you could sit for a while and and see where that line is going to be. Sometimes pain feels like a shock. And if you're totally shocked and don't know what to do, I I wish I could remember what teacher uh, said this that I read somewhere in a commentary, uh, but he said, if you don't know what to do, act like a deadlock, be a deadlock, just uh, sort of fall over, (laughs) be inert. Uh, And uh, I like that advice. If you don't know what to do, um, and you can't think at all about what to do, just be a deadlock. I, I think that to myself, it might look like not reacting. It might look like totally stepping out of a situation. Um, but sometimes you, you might not be shocked exactly, but you're so confused about why you're experiencing the pain. And if that's where you are, you can try observing your reactive mind And in order to tolerate observing, you'll probably find that you need to cultivate non judgment about whether your reaction is right or, oh, my favorite, uh, whether it's Zen enough. And just try to think of it as data collection. So, um, appearing to break a precept with one eye on it is a valuable experience breaking them without watching is is not very useful so it's just it's just data collection about what's happening and what happens as a result and you can examine your thinking with compassion and gentleness and curiosity and see what story is coming up. The common ones are blame, martyrdom, everything's a catastrophe, why me, I'm alone, no one has experienced this the way I have. And if you're watching it, you can think about which parts of the story are true and which parts are helpful or harmful. How many times have you seen that story play out? Is it a story that you hear in your mind often? And once you've collected enough data, If you're not so confused about the whys of cause and effect, you can see if you can let go of your reactive mind or at least loosen your your grip on it. And that's where the dead log turns into a natural action. If you can sort of let go of uh, why me and who's to blame and meet your action naturally. But you know, I, in talking about this, I always wanna give some warnings um, and, and this is one of them. So when I say you can let go of blame, it doesn't mean that you ignore reality. If If the pain that you're experiencing is a result of being harmed or of being a harmful person, you know, sort of beyond the daily little annoyances and stresses that's just a regular life. Um, If it's beyond that, it's important for the harm to stop. And it can stop without judgment. You can accept the reality of the cause of the pain and the effects of the pain and respond with compassion for the harmed and the harmful person. Even even if somebody doesn't understand, you can do that. Maybe not everybody in the situation will understand. Um, But uh, it's actually not uncommon for people to uh, start meditation with the misguided belief that practicing with pain means learning to tolerate abuse or to expect others to tolerate it. And and that's not the case. So um, let's say you you manage to drop it, uh, your usual reaction, and and that doesn't mean the pain will stop. It just means that you won't have so much extra pain. It's not gonna mop the floor with you. Um, You won't lash out so much. and hopefully you won't suffer needlessly when there's something sort of reasonable and right that could be done about it and just as an example of how a precept practice helps me i think for a while i thought that uh, the the precept of, of not stealing of or the positive Uh, flip of that would be to be content with what you have. Um, For a while, I made the mistake of thinking that being content with what you have meant not fixing suffering if there's something reasonable and right that could be done about it. This practice is so difficult. And you have to do it over and over and over again. And you'll uh, you'll think that you've made some progress. I mean, like some big thing will happen, you know, and, and you sort of handle it. And then some little thing will come along and punch you in the face. <laughs> and you snap over it. Maybe you've read a story about that or heard one getting smacked in the face, Um, or, or maybe you'll uh, have noticed that you're doing the small things well, like sort of daily annoyances, you're doing those well, and a big pain will come along and smack you in the face. And uh, So we learn and relearn it over and over. So if you get smacked in the face, uh, my advice is to, again, um, you know, don't forget that you practice this within a sangha, and uh, within a big sangha. And one of the things I've learned to do, um, because I'm suspicious of advice, like if if somebody would give me advice uh, to be compassionate to myself, I, I felt like they were just trying to be nice to me. <laughs> so what might be helpful uh, would be to ask some different people in your life, maybe somebody that you think will favor you and somebody that you think might favor other people, and then maybe somebody who's neutral. Um, for example, a counselor, if you have access to counseling, and teachers, uh, that's helpful. Talking to your doctor is helpful. And all of those people are your sangha. But even then, even talking to people um, and getting good advice, your pain may be considerable, whether it's emotional or physical. So if you've let go of the extra, the confusion and you've gathered a bunch of support and you still have a lot of pain. There's a teacher that I read a while back, and again, I can't remember her name. I never can. But she talked about when the pain is great, you have to zoom in on joys. So your your big pain is not a monolith. And the joys might be really small, but you can learn to focus on them and zoom in and experience them really clearly in that moment. Even just a single breath can be a small joy. So uh, if these things seem too difficult, because there are times when um, all you can see is the monolith of the pain. And that's okay. That's still your practice in that moment. Um, So you could try, um, you know, eating too much pie or cursing. (laughs) You could let things fall apart. You can practice things like uh, square breathing or learn grounding techniques. And actually on the note of letting things fall apart, um, I wanted to mention what I have come to think of as two flavors (laughs) of uh, flames. So this is is one of those warnings that I wanted to talk about. I think a lot of times people talk about pain like a flame and it can be all-consuming. So the first flavor is destructive and terrifying. And uh, if, if it feels like that, rest, step back, look for a relief and help. It's not supposed to feel like yourself is burning. If you're experiencing great pain as there is a self and it's burning, forcing yourself to handle that is not, don't imagine that that's real practice or bravery. It's violence Uh, and that's, that's not in the middle. So if you find yourself there, that's where it's critical to get help. But if it doesn't seem like that to you, if it seems like the other flavor that's uh, maybe more like transformative or in Zen terms like no flame, this is a difficult gate. It's critical that you have teachers and that you're practicing wholeheartedly and openly with them and the myriad things. But if that's where you are, if it's like no flames, transforming no self, that's the other flavor Um, but as I said, it should be a difficult, you should think of it as advanced practice, um, and not attempting to enter that gate before you're ready. And before you have support is authentic, then practice. It's more like when the myriad things are ready. They naturally find themselves beyond the gate. And regular, wholehearted, diligent practice improves the chances of that happening. But it's actually available in every moment. When your head touches the mat, trip on a rock, smack in the face. So there's a little trick to it. And I I don't think that uh, it's sort of something that I understand in retrospect, but it helps me to remember that it exists if I'm in pain. This little trick is if you can... uh, Become aware of both sides of the coin. When it's heads, you remember that tails exist. And when it's tails, you remember heads exist. You can almost flip them. And you remember that that coin is a unit. And it flips dark to light, heads to tails. it's an awareness of self and no self being fully integrated. So when you can see that coin clearly as a unit and you flip it one side to the other, then you flip that over and wake up. And just like practicing with pain. You'll learn and relearn it over and over. And that's the flowering of the Dharma. Feel free to stop.